Well, good morning, everybody, and welcome back. It is Monday. Hard to believe, right? Monday, October the 3rd, 2022. Happy October to you. It's great to be back with you this morning, and I hope that this video, this uh, live stream, this audio, whatever it happens to be for you, I know we've got folks on Sermon Audio, I hope that it finds you doing very well after a good weekend. Uh, wow, we, we didn't say much about it last week because we just didn't know, but mercy me, this storm in Florida, Ian, what an absolute disaster. We need to continue praying for those that have been affected by this. Um, here, it rained and was windy pretty much all weekend. And for the first day since Thursday, I think I can actually see a little bit of the uh, what looks to be a sunrise on the horizon instead of just clouds. But we will have to see how today shapes up. It looks like it's going to be a beautiful fall week in the valley, and I hope that you are going to have a lovely fall week wherever you are. Also, hope that yesterday found you in a Bible-believing church in person for worship. Um, but that's all I'll say about that right now. It's good to be back with you this morning. We're picking up where we left off. John chapter 11. Now, it wasn't too long ago, I'm actually preaching on Sunday mornings on the I am sayings of Christ, the I am statements, right? There's seven, well, maybe eight. Um, I, I, I affirm eight. Popularly speaking, people talk about the seven I am statements of Christ. There is an eighth one. But as I've been preaching through these, I've, of course, touched on these different chapters. Um, uh, well, not really touched on, I preached through these different chapters where the I am's are contained. Um, we happen to be in one today. But I'm excited to have this time with you all because I can spend a little bit more time actually fleshing out what's going on here in the passage. Now, where we left things the last time we were together was in verse 16 with that statement from Thomas, right? We have this interesting exchange between Jesus and the disciples Jesus gets word that the one he loves, according to John eleven three. 3. So the sister sent word to Jesus, Lord, the one you love is sick. Um, we talked about Jesus's relationship with Lazarus and with Mary and Martha, how close that they were. He gets word about this. He stays across the Jordan. They live in Bethany, right? Jesus is not in Judea at this point. They were trying to kill him in Judea. He stays two more days. Then he tells his disciples, hey, our, our brother has fallen asleep. And they take it as, oh, great. Well, nothing like a good night's rest. You know, he's going to get better. And then Jesus clarifies, oh, no, he's dead. But... Even so, he is glad, well, verse 14, so he told them plainly, Lazarus is dead, but for your sake, I'm glad I was not there so that you may believe, but let us go to him. You know, this is one of those statements, right, that's pointing to what's going to happen in the future. Jesus is letting them know, even right now, what I'm going to do is going to be belief worthy. In other words, you're going to see this and it's going to cause you to believe. And where we left off last time was with that curious statement from Thomas called Didymus, or the twin, right? Where he said to the disciples, let us also go that we may die with him. What is he talking about here? Does he think Jesus is off of his rocker? Because obviously you can't do anything for a dead man. You know, as if it's, it's more spectacular to raise someone from the dead than healing someone blind from birth, or I don't know any of the other things that he's seen. But nevertheless... Nevertheless, maybe that's why he said it. It could be that he said it because his disciples uh, 
really let their uh, dismay be known. You know, back in verse eight, after, or excuse me, verse seven, then he, Jesus said to his disciples, let us go back to Judea, verse eight. But Rabbi, they said, a short while ago, the Jews tried to stone you, and yet you're going back there? In other words, Jesus, we, we can't go back to Judea. They just tried to kill you there. Can't go back. Maybe that's why Thomas says this in verse 16. Um, that, hey, well, let's go and die with him. In other words, if we cross the Jordan and if we go back to Jerusalem, Judea, Bethany's only a mile or two from Jerusalem. He says, we're going to, if we go back, we're going to die with him. Maybe that's why he says this. We just don't know, right? But we don't have to know. What we do know is that if Jesus is telling them, hey, let's go. I'm glad for your sake I wasn't there so that you may believe that means that there's a disbelief problem. Now, as a side note, before we get started on today's text, you know, as a pastor, I can't tell you the amount of times I've heard people say, well, why isn't the Lord working miracles today like he worked back then? If people saw the miracles and they would believe. Well, number one, don't think that the Lord isn't still working miracles. My goodness, the, the fact that here we are, October 3rd, 2022, we've had nuclear weapons for how long? And the earth around us isn't just one ball of glass. That's a miracle, y'all. Look at all the things that have been happening over the past. You don't even have to go back that far. Look at the past decade. The fact that we still exist as humanity. That's all because of the Lord intervening in the events of the world. I mean, we could go on and on about personal stories of, of of God healing the unhealable and, and things happening, medically speaking, that don't make any sense. You know, the Lord is still very much at work. Prayer works, okay? Um, and if you know the Lord and if you know about life, you know that. So this idea that miracles aren't still happening, yeah, come on, they are. But aside from that, this kind of points us to another Lazarus story, right? The parable of the rich man and Lazarus completely unconnected to this Lazarus in our text, okay? When Jesus told the parable of the rich man and Lazarus, that is not the same Lazarus as, as we are dealing with right now. Remember how that parable goes? Lazarus was the beggar. He was outside of the rich man's house. The rich man wouldn't even give him food that had fallen from its table, right? They both died. The rich man, it was said, received his reward in this life. And so he went to hell. Lazarus, of course, went to heaven. But do you remember how the rich man pleaded with Abraham um, to go and talk to his brothers, right? To go and and then if they see you, you know, they'll, they'll believe. You remember what Abraham said? He said they have the law and the prophets. In other words, they have the scriptures. If they're not going to believe the scriptures, they won't believe. Even if somebody goes back from the dead, they're not going to believe. So, y'all, the issue with unbelief in our world is not just a, a lack of miracles, right? What the disciples needed to see was Jesus. They needed Jesus, not some show. And so Jesus said, I'm glad that I wasn't there, so you will believe by what I do. Right? So it's with that and with Thomas's statement there, maybe it's cynicism, maybe it's fear speaking, let us go so that we may die with him. In verse 16, it's with that that we left off and we pick up with verse 17 today. But let me pray before we dig in. Our God and our Father, we thank you for this time that you have given to us, and we pray that you would watch over us and guide us in it. Help us to understand. Give us ears to hear. Give us eyes that will see the truth of your word 
and also its application to us. Um, Father, throughout this life, we, we face times of disbelief. We struggle with faith, but we pray that as we read your word, we would see Jesus Christ. And as a result, we pray that we would believe, that we would trust. Please work in our hearts now and guide us. And we pray it in Christ's name. Amen. So John chapter 11, verse 17, is where we're picking up. It says, on his arrival, Jesus found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb for four days. Now, pausing for just a second. There's lots of different ways to interpret the timeline here. Um, you know, back when Jesus first heard about this, we see in John eleven six. Yet when he heard Lazarus was sick, he stayed there. He stayed where he was two more days. Right now, we don't know how long he had been sick when Jesus got the word. All right, we don't know after the two days how long it took Jesus and the disciples to get back to Bethany. Um, for all we know. Lazarus was dead by the time the message reached Jesus. I mean, it, it, well, we do know that that was the case. We don't, Again, the problem is it says earlier Jesus waited two days. Then it talks about this conversation that he has with his disciples. Our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep. Was that immediately after he got word that he had this conversation? Was it after two days? It doesn't matter, y'all. What really matters is that by the time Jesus gets there, He's been in the tomb for four days. And the number four is significant there, not because of numerology reasons or anything like that, but because of a couple of different things. Number one, four days in the tomb would have been long enough for significant um, decay to set in. I'm not trying to be gross. I'm not trying to be morbid or anything like that. But realize that at this time, embalming wasn't really permitted in Jewish society. And even if it had been, it was wildly expensive. And it was different than our concept of embalming. Okay, the Egyptians practice it. We know that from the, the from the mummies, from the pharaohs, right? Uh, but that didn't take place here. The best that they could do for a person um, after he or she had died, was to wrap the body very tightly in linen, and then also to to use spices. Right um, at the end of, of John, it's going to talk about how Nicodemus um, and, and Joseph of Arimathea. I think that's John. I'll have to look. It might not be. I might get that. Might be getting that confused with Matthew. But nevertheless, um, they it, it talks about how many spices they purchased to use in, in caring for Jesus's body, right? We also have reference from other places of how many spices were purchased to care for other people when they were buried. Yet four days, realize what those spices are, y'all. Not to be, again, not to be coy or candid about this, but, but they were air fresheners, okay? The idea is that as the human corpse would decay, it would put off a lot of odor. They would pack the body with spices in order to, to dry things up, but in order to offset that odor. Four days 
four days was enough time for significant decay to set in. And there's also a, another interesting thing going on here. And I don't know, you know, people talk about this as if it was certain that Mary and Martha and Lazarus would have believed this, that all Jews did believe it. It's almost like the thing that we talked about with the man that was born blind. How there was this belief that was circulating around that any human being that was born, it, it wasn't really reincarnation, but it was almost like a soul transfer thing. That, uh, that, that when a person was born, they were inhabited, they had somebody else's soul or it was somebody's soul coming back. You know, that belief was out there. Was that what was going on with the man born blind? I don't know. Another belief that's similar to that was that when a person died, his or her soul lingered around them for a certain amount of days before then departing from them and going to Sheol. Right, that's the Jewish concept of the underlife. You see Sheol referenced throughout the Old Testament. Um, again, did Mary and Martha and Lazarus believe that? Did the disciples believe that? We don't know. We know it was a popular belief. If they did, and I'm not saying they did, but if they did have that sort of belief, the time limit was three days. It was typically understood that after three days, the soul would then depart from the corpse or from the body and then go on to the afterlife. Maybe that's what's going on here. I don't know. And it doesn't matter. The point is really the decay that after four days, significant decay would have taken place. Right. It goes on. Verse 18. Bethany was less than two miles from Jerusalem, and many Jews had come to Martha and Mary to comfort them in the loss of their brother. When Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went out to meet him. But Mary stayed at home. You know, y'all, there's something we need to recognize about this with Martha, with Mary and with Lazarus. The idea that we get here is that Martha and Mary are not married right, that their brother was really their caretaker, that he was the head of their family, he provided for them financially, he gave them security and all these sorts of things. So when Lazarus goes, y'all, this is a very serious situation for Mary and Martha. And as a result, you find out that all these Jews had come out to comfort them, because this would have been seen as a dire situation. And fascinatingly enough, you know, the timelines get interesting here, but you see a reversal in roles, right? Um, elsewhere in the scriptures, when we deal with Mary and Martha, we see that Mary is the one that comes out and spends all the time with Jesus. Martha is the one that is busying herself with the preparation of the meal, with getting the house in order. Martha wants Jesus to, to get on to Mary because uh, she's this lazy Mary over here. She hasn't helped me with anything, right? She's being lazy. Jesus' response to her was, well, when the bridegroom is here, you need to spend time with him. And of course, I'm paraphrasing all of this. But what we have here is a role reversal. It's Martha that runs out to meet the Lord. And listen to what she says, because this indicates so much about her faith. Verse 21, Lord, Martha said to Jesus, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But I know that even now, God will give you whatever you ask. That's verses 21 and 22. Um, there is no guile in this. This isn't John saying, writing one thing and meaning another thing. Martha is a woman of faith. Do you hear what she said? She said, Lord, if you'd been here, he'd still be alive. 
But then she offered that caveat, verse 23, but I know that even now God will give you whatever you ask. Now, this is where things get interesting. What, what is Martha insinuating here? Is there any guile in her? I, I don't think so. Is she suggesting that the Lord can raise Lazarus from the dead? I don't know. And the reason I say that is because of what comes next. Look at verse 23. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Verse 24, Martha answered, I know he will rise again in the resurrection at the last day. Now, this is where we got to be careful. When I preached on this a few weeks ago, I talked about the fact that Martha gets really spiritual here. So spiritual, in fact, that her brain, her vision is set on the long run. Now, there's nothing wrong with what she said. In fact, she's to be commended for this kind of faith. Martha understands that Jesus is Lord. She knows he's not just a prophet. She knows he's not some teacher. He's not just a rabbi, anything, any of those things. She knows that Jesus will raise all those who have trusted in him at the last day. But she gets so spiritual, focusing on the last day. When Jesus says, your brother's going to rise again, her mind immediately goes to the long run, and she misses what the Lord can do right then and there in her situation. And we need to be careful about this. Again, I'm not belittling her faith. Martha was a woman of incredible faith, so don't misunderstand me. However, we have a tendency we are tempted to view Christianity as something that's going to happen one day. That the benefit of Christianity is about what happens at the end of this life and what takes place in the next life, in eternity. Now, I am not denying that the glory of Christianity is being welcomed into the kingdom of God with that greeting, well done, good and faithful servant. I'm not trying to take away from the power and the majesty of being in heaven forever with the Father. We ought to be thinking about heaven. We ought to dwell on heaven. We ought to be storing up for ourselves, as Jesus said, treasures not here where moth and rust destroy and where the thief breaks in and steals. We ought to be storing up for ourselves treasures in heaven by doing the good works God has prepared in advance for us to do, as Ephesians 2 says. Not denying any of that. But, you know, sometimes we can get so spiritual Right, We can have our vision trained on the long run so much that we miss what the Lord can do right here and right now. You know, when we're told in Ephesians that God is able to do immeasurably more than we could ever ask or imagine, is that talking about the afterlife and glory in heaven? Yeah, of course it is. But it's also talking about now. When Jesus said, uh, when, when Jesus called himself the gate for the sheep, right? You remember going over that? Uh, in John chapter 10, he said, I've come that they might have life and have it in abundance. That's not just talking about what's going to happen one day. It's talking about today. When Jesus said, if the Son of Man sets you free, you are free indeed. He's talking about now. You know, Martha is a woman of profound faith. We should be encouraged by her. We should follow her example. We should place our faith in Jesus alone because that's what she did. But we shouldn't lose sight of the fact that the Lord is working now. That Christianity is not about dying. It's about living. One of my favorite, favorite, favorite movies ever 
Um, it's actually a, a, a mini series, but one of my favorite books ever is Lonesome Dove. Remember the two main characters, maybe you've heard about that Western before, but the two main characters are Woodrow F. Call and Augustus McRae, right? Um, there's a woman that wants to come on the cattle drive with them because they're leaving Lonesome Dove, which is a dead end town. It's falling apart. Um, either they're going to die there or they're going to leave and go on an adventure. And she wants to go to, and, and Woodruff Call is the stoic one, right? He's the serious one. And he talks about the fact that he wonders, names is, her name is Lorraine, and he wonders why Lorraine or Lori wants to go on this cattle drive. And, and, and he says she can die just as easily here as she can die in Montana, right? Uh, his whole point is, why does it matter if she goes or not? She's going to die anyway. She might as well die here as opposed to going on this adventure and living in Montana. And Augustus McRae, that great, great literary character, said, Woodrow, we're not talking about dying. I'm talking about living. You know, sometimes we can miss out on the life aspect of this life that we're given. Is the world a fallen place? Yes. Is there sinfulness? Absolutely. But y'all, our reward is not just in the next life. There is a benefit to belonging to Christ right now. We have newness of life. We get to be a part of something so much bigger than ourselves. And while the world has problems, oh my goodness, it's a beautiful place. There, there's a reason the scriptures talk about how nature testifies to God's glory. And not just that, the, it's a great big world out there. There is adventure to be had and that. We need to update our map. You can't see it right here, but we've got little pins and, and all the different countries we've been to. And, and, and we're doing this thing with Isabella now where we're seeing all 50 states. She is 14 years old and she's seen 42 states. She's been to Europe several times. Uh, you know, some people in, in, spend their money on different things. We go really cheap, but we spend our money a lot of times on travel because that's we want to see the world. We want her to see the world. We want her to understand that the world is a big place. You know, and, and that's not for everybody. That's not my point. My point is this. This life is free and beautiful. Life is beautiful. And the Lord has given us this life to enjoy him, to glorify him, to bask in his goodness and his mercy. And if your mind is so focused on things that are going to happen one day, You'll miss what can happen today. So be a Martha. Keep your mind focused on the future. But also, don't be so focused that you miss what the Lord is doing right now. She was right. Resurrection is from the Lord. But as Jesus said to her, I am, verse 25, Jesus said to her, his response to this, Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will live even though he dies. Now, this is where we will pick up tomorrow. I've gone too long as it is. We're picking up here tomorrow. But nevertheless, y'all, when Jesus calls himself the resurrection, most certainly he's talking about what happens after we die. Our hope is in the resurrection of the body. That's where we'll pick up tomorrow, right? But Jesus doesn't just say, I'm the resurrection. He says, I'm the life. The resurrection is about what's going to happen. The life is about what we get to do right now. And the life that we will always have in him. Why? 
Because as he said at the end of verse 25, he who believes in me will live even though he dies. So today, this Monday, October the 3rd, right at the beginning of the month, right at the beginning of a new season, where are you focusing? Where is your vision trained? It is my prayer for you that it is trained on Jesus Christ, the one who assures our eternity, yes, but the one who holds us today, the one that can impact your life right here, right now. Keep your vision set on him. Let's pray. Our God and our Father, we thank you for this time that you have given to us, and we pray that you would help us to be ever mindful of what is coming, but also what is here what will be, but also what is. Give us hearts full of gratitude. And for those who do not know you, draw them to yourself and help them see what they're missing. And I pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, I'd like to thank you all for being a part of this time. Lord willing, we will be back tomorrow morning at 7 a.m. Wayne, brother, you're not only here, you are the first good morning that I've got on there. That is fantastic. It was good to see you yesterday, too. And I see that we have Becky, good morning, and the other Becky, and there's Alice and Monica, and there's Rose. Thank you all so much for commenting. I know a lot of other people are uh, watching or will watch that, that won't comment, and I appreciate y'all being here, too, so much. Again, Lord willing, we'll see you tomorrow morning at 7. Until then, have a great day.